Welcome to the Marketing for Business podcast. This is your host, Scott Wilson. Mr. Kevin Eater, welcome to the Marketing for Business podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Mate, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. I've known you for a while now and, I, and you've definitely made an impact on my business, um, both indirectly and directly of some of the advice that you've given me over the years. I think I first met you for a, an acquaintance, Hamish Conway. Correct, you did. Yeah, and we, you started mentoring uh, my business when I was probably, probably a good 10 years ago now. I think all of that. Yeah, absolutely. I do remember. Yeah. And and from there, I've gone on to do a few other things, but we've always stayed in touch. And obviously now, uh, very grateful that we get to look after your marketing for trade staff and trade staff workwear. Um, today, I wanted to talk to you, though, today about your business and, you know, the fact that you started in 1996 uh, and you've grown it to, to, you know, a nationwide business. Very, very successful. And I want to talk about some things. I want to talk about your business and the success you've had. I also want to talk about marketing and I also want to talk about your mindset. And I've got a really cool question and, uh, that I want other people to hear because it's something that you taught me and it's helped me uh, a lot in my business. So let's let's go back to 1996. Uh, it's a few years ago. Um, how did you get started? Where did the idea come from? Uh, well, I guess like a lot of Kiwi businesses, um, they started from the fact that I was working in the industry, but for a large player and a large international player and I had some success there. But, you know, I've never really been a corporate guy. And uh, so basically it got to the stage where probably I'd outgrown them and they'd outgrown me um, or probably more I'd outgrown them. So I looked to go out and do it on my own. Yep. Um, at that time, everybody laughed uh, at me, particularly from the company, uh, the fact that I thought I could do it on my own. No one was really concentrating just on industrial recruitment. Yeah. The, the agency I worked for was a, was, you know, across all industry. Um, but anyway, basically, as it happens when you leave a company like that, basically you're just excommunicated. And so, I had a, a stand down period of three months. Um, I went back to my old trade, working as an electrician, doing other things. Um, and uh, then after three months, I put a little ad in the local paper saying I was looking for workers, and it was quite astonishing. I had old clients ringing me up saying that they thought I was dead, um, <laughs> and uh, and so basically they were wrapped to hear I was alive, but also wrapped to hear that I was doing my own thing. Yeah. And so I, my first five or six clients were people that contacted me when I put a put an ad in the paper advertising for labourers and carpenters. Um, and the really good thing is of those five clients, uh, four of them are still clients today, wow. 26 years later. That's um, incredible. Yeah, and so when I started, it was what I wanted to do was I knew that I was good at, at, at what I was doing. Um, I just wanted it to be without all the corporate bullshit, yeah. basically. And so, so that yeah. first advert that you ran, though, so were you looking for other tradespeople? Were you looking for clients that you could find jobs for, or was it just... well? When, you, when you're running a temp agency, there's very much the chicken and the egg. Yep. You are looking for um, for uh, workers because that's your product, but also you have to have clients. Where are you going yeah. to send them? So in that instance, I, I you know rather than just going to see clients first up and saying, hey, I've now got this agency, um, I thought it made a lot more sense if I actually had some workers and I could go and talk to them about yeah. that. Right? Yeah. So in that instance, I was just looking to hire four or five good people, and then I would go and try and talk to the clients about utilising my agency. And, and back then, what was the job market like for people? Uh, it was the polar opposite of what it is today. And it's it's pretty funny, you know, because, you know, today's um, recruitment consultant pretty much these days is, it could almost just be an order taker because yeah. today the market is such that, that uh, you know, we have literally hundreds of jobs around the, around the country that we just can't fill. 
in those days, unemployment was nine and a half percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, here's some funny looking guy knocking on a business door saying, hey, you should be using me. You know, I can help you out with the staffing. And I've got the clients laughing at me, telling me that they've got, you know, at least 10 staff of their own they'd like to get rid of. <laughs> so, so it was very much about selling in those days. Yeah. Um, and like I say, the polar opposite of today, but, yeah. but the same business, business and, principles apply. And did you pick that niche on Pacific? Did you go, like, I'm going to go for the, for the trade type? It's what I was doing at the other what agency, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the name? Oh, trade staff? Yeah. Oh, very funny, actually. Um, back in those days, um, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but back in those days, uh, you had to actually uh, contact the company's office to, to form a company. It yep. wasn't, wasn't like it all is now. And so I'd come up with the name Temp Staff, and um, and it was already being it was a registered company in Wellington somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, not operating as Temp Staff, but that was the name of the company. And so the lady at the uh, company's office, when we were chatting, she's she was saying, "Well, you can't have that." And I'm she going, "What are you going to do?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm going to put like tradespeople into jobs and stuff like that." And she went, "What about trade staff?" And I went, "Oh yeah, that'll do." And away <laughs> we went from there. So there's an enormous amount of enormous amount of research and marketing. Yeah, yeah. No, not at all. So the lady just came up with a name, and I thought that worked. Um, and away we went. That's brilliant. Yeah. The, I, the name's been interesting actually, yeah. because it defines us in, in a good and bad way. Mm. Um, obviously, if you're thinking of tradespeople, then the name t- tells you everything you need to yep. know. But in actual fact, it has limited us as, at times as well, in that uh, that some clients don't look at us for maybe factory work or manufacturing work yep. or anything other than trades. Yeah. Um, so we've tended to be pigeonholed at times into just a trades agency, yep. um, which has been a negative. But the positive is, is that I know we are the first port of call in most instances when people are, are coming to the market and looking for tradespeople. Yeah. yeah so so, so you've lady gives you the name mm-hmm. and you're away to the races. You've got your first few staff uh, uh, there. You're in, you're in an office in Sydney? Yeah. <laughs> well, office, yeah. I uh, was working in uh, yeah, a room uh, in an old converted warehouse. Wow. In actual fact, the first month it wasn't ready. Um, and so I actually worked across the road in a corner desk um, in, a, in a manufacturing facility. Um, a friend of a friend lent me a desk and yep. away I went. Um, you know, you have to remember too, 1996, um, I, um, I, I didn't even really know how to use a computer. Yep. Um, in the first couple of weeks was spent basically playing solitaire so I could get used to um, <laughs> used to using a mouse and doing those kind of things. So, yeah, I find this really interesting because were you focused then just like, okay, to make this work, I'm just going to go out and sell? Is that Was that your, like, where, where is your thinking? Are you thinking, hey, I'm going to have a nationwide business at this time? Or are you just thinking, right, where's, where's, where am I going with this? Did you have a plan? No, far from it. <clears throat> um, I'd love to say that there's a great big business plan, but yep. no, that, that wasn't the case. Look, I've always been kind of a confident guy who's who's always known that I can make my own way. But at that stage, you know, uh, married, uh, two children under three um, or under four, and uh, really I was just, you know, working my butt off uh, on my own. So, you know, it wasn't a cast of thousands by any stretch mm. of imagination, Scott. It was just me. Um, I did the payroll. I did the invoicing. I did the sales, um, you know, I was the cleaning lady, I did the whole yeah, shebang, yeah. basically. Um, and, you know, the banking, the whole lot. So really it was just about, um, about building a business that was sustainable, um, you know, for my family. And, and again, trying not to be corporate. Yeah. Trying to be a bit different and, 
you know, not necessarily loose, but but certainly a lot looser than I'd been allowed to be yeah. uh, in, in the other company. And do you think that's where the demand started to come from because they saw you as different as as someone maybe who even probably cared a little bit more because you're out there in their, in their face talking to them, helping them, uh, that, that kind of allowed you to grow? There was no real restrictions on who you were as a person? Yeah, very much. Like I think also, you know, the, the number one rule of sales is, is turn up, right? Yeah. And basically, you know, when I was sitting in an office on my own, um, it was pretty boring. So once I'd got the banking and everything done, I was just on the road. Um, the joys of having a cell phone that I, you know, all on my own, yeah, yeah. Uh, that I was allowed to use. Um, and so it didn't really matter whether I was in the office or not. So, you know, I was going around some of the sites, you know, at least two and three times a week, sometimes daily. And, yep. you know, the hungriest town always always wins, right? So I, I was uh, I was on the sites. I was um, I was visiting clients and, uh, and, and, you know, just picked up the business from there. Yeah. And building those relationships. So it's, it's astonishing, like, to hear that 26 years later you've got you know, four of those still, still, your, uh, still clients of yours. What are some of the things that you've done over the years to keep those relationships going? Um, well, in the early days, obviously, it was all about me and the relationship. Mm. But then as the business grew, it's it's a lot less about me. Mm. Um, you know, I'm friends with some of those clients, but, you know, 26 years is a long time. People, A lot of people have come and gone. The fifth client closed down, by the way, so that's, yeah. uh, that's why we're only four out of five. <laughs> but, you know, as much as anything, um, one of the things that we do talk about in our business a lot is, is what we call our foundation clients. Yep. Um, and, you know, those clients on, you know, it's all database stuff and everything like that these days, but, you know, they're listed as a foundation client, yep. uh, someone that was there right at the beginning. Uh, one of them, which is a, a very large uh, nationwide construction company now, were, were completely amazing. They were actually, they were so so generous to me, um, and something I've never forgotten is the fact that I could fax them an invoice on a Tuesday morning, and they would pay me that night wow. for staff that I was having to pay the next day. Because the killer for agencies is, is cash flow, right? Yeah. You, you pay the pay the workers each week, and then you know hopefully the the company pays you the next week, or in some sense, some instances two or three weeks later. Mm. And when the business is growing rapidly, that cash flow lag is an absolute killer. So having uh, having uh, Naylor Love Construction um, look after me, they had just opened in Christchurch. Um, they had just um, branched out from Dunedin, opened in Christchurch, and I formed a relationship with their main man that still stands today. Um, but he had organised, you know, like I say, for, for them to be paying me a full 24 yeah. hours before I had to pay the workers. Um, and if it wasn't for that, to be brutally honest, I, you know, I don't know that we would have survived, or if we had to survive, we certainly wouldn't have been able to grow because that cash flow was, was you know, was a big deficit. Yeah. Shows you the power of relationships, though, you know, and I think that's a key takeaway for people, especially new business owners I meet. You know, you talk about databases. They're always putting things in the database and that, but what about going out and seeing those people and building those relationships? And mm. I, I like the fact you had foundation clients. I think that's a, you, you know that, and probably a lot of your management team know who those people are. Um, so, so you take good care of those people um, because they've, you know, obviously, you know, they've done by, right by you over the years. Mm. Yeah, very much. But they also get first port of call, you know. So, so it's a, it's a two way street. Um, every now and then, someone who's been doing business with us a long time uh, has some, you know, new idea, or someone new comes in and they want to, you know, change the way in which we do business. Um, we, we're we're pretty um, stuck in in the fact that we don't enter into things like preferred supply agreements and. And all of those whiz bang things. Basically, you know, we do business 
um, straight up as it is. Yes, we'll give preferential treatment to people who we've who we know <clears throat> and have been good to us for a long time. But um, you know, essentially, we we kind of the the the, the interaction is done in the manner that we set in place the same for all of our clients. Yeah, that's awesome. So, 11 locations, where did you go, what, like you started Christchurch, where'd you go next? And uh, how did you grow that those location bases? So, um, after about 14 months, uh, the business was going absolutely gangbusters. I had around 100 workers out um, every day uh, working. Um, and like I say, I was the, the, the banker, the, the payroll girl, the whole, the whole shebang, <laughs> right? And, um, and basically, I just couldn't keep up. So, I stuck an ad in the newspaper calling for a needle in a haystack um, and, and basically gave the, the, you know, what the job description was. Um, I got absolutely smoked with applicants, 200 and something applicants. Wow. And, and I got about halfway through reading them and, and I was just too busy, actually, ironic, you know, recruitment agency, yeah. too busy to hire for itself. And so um, about a month later, I put another ad in the newspaper saying, hey, you know, the needle in a haystack, I haven't forgotten, I'm just too damn busy, you know, I will get to it. <laughs> and a lady rang me and said, hey, or actually she faxed me, which was pretty funny, and said, um, I haven't forgotten you, I hope you haven't forgotten me, um, I think I'm perfect for this job, um, how about we just have an interview? And uh, anyway, I interviewed her. Um, that, of course, was Janice McNabb. Wow. Um, yeah. Who's been with us uh basically 25 years this month, um, has been our GM for the last 10 or 15 years. So she came on board, she was amazing right from the get-go. Um, she was only with us a week and I was in hospital for a week with pneumonia. And um, and when I come back, she'd pretty much just taken over. So wow. by 1998 or so, mid-1998, uh, Janice had been with us for 10 months. She was essentially doing everything. We, we were doing the same job in Christchurch. By now we had employed a uh, a young office junior, and then we employed another consultant. And so basically got the stage where Janice and I were starting to trip over each other a little bit. And I'd always kind of felt that um, even though I didn't grow up in Christchurch, I'd been in business here in Christchurch, and I kind of felt that because of those foundation clients and because of the, the relationships I had, that I'd probably had a bit of an easy ride into into starting in Christchurch. Yep. Um, so I wanted to try and do it somewhere else. So basically, Janice just took over running Christchurch, and I just went tried to find somewhere that wasn't too big, that had a feel similar to Christchurch. I kind of felt like if I could do it here, I could do it somewhere similar. Yep. Um, so I ended up opening in Hamilton. Um, I I'd never been to Hamilton. I went up and had a look around, um, and I found to my great surprise, Christchurch was quite an established recruitment market. There was a number of agencies here yep. at that time. When I got to Hamilton, there was essentially none. Wow. Um, so I can remember going and visiting clients, and it was, you know, I, I'm sure that half the businesses in, in the Waikato today probably still think that I invented temping, that I invented, yeah, yeah. you know. And so I'd have to sit down and talk through the whole concept of how it worked and what it was about. Um, and, you know, we, we, we did very well in Hamilton. Within, within about 18 months, Hamilton was a bigger business than, than Christchurch. It's still our biggest business unit today. Um, and so I was visiting clients, I was living in Hamilton three, <clears throat> three and four days a week, and um, we had a whole bunch of clients who would say, oh, it's a pity that you're not in Tauranga. If you're in Tauranga, we would do business with you. And um, so anyway, one day I invited five of them out for lunch, who had all told me that, and then I sat down with them as I was shouting them lunch and said, all right, here's the deal. If I come and open a branch in Tauranga, will you promise to do, do business with me? Yeah. They said yes. 
and three weeks later we're opening an office in Tauranga. That's outstanding. Uh, so, so it kind of followed, just it, like yeah. there's no, there was no great plan, if you like. I just kind of followed, you know, followed the opportunity. Instinct, right? Mm. Obviously, you know, and a lot of business owners have it. They have that instinct. But you, one of your core values is action. So it was that, like you just, okay, let's just act, you know, like. I've mm. heard, I've listened, I've actively listened, I've heard them say, hey, well, if you were in Tauranga, mm. so then you acted, get them together and put it on them, like, and they were all like, yep. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, but I, I think so, I've always been kind of the guy that, that does act on instinct, you know, that's not always a good thing, it hasn't, you know, hasn't always worked out, mm. but, um, you know, I'd much rather, I'd much rather have a crack and, and, and it not work out than yeah. to be sit, sitting back later and going, you know, I wish I had. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, for something like that, when we were growing the business, it was exciting, it was fun. And, you know, I do remember my bank manager or my accountant, might have been my accountant saying at the time, just be careful you're not opening branches just for opening branches' sake. Okay. Um, you know, don't, don't get too, too far ahead of yourself. But everywhere we went, the, while there was obviously risk, you got to understand each one, of these, each one of these startups was a very low-level thing. Like each yep. time we started up, we only had one or two people in a small, modest office. We didn't spend any money, um, so we just and 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 in those days, you know, we were relatively risk adverse in the fact that each one of the new businesses was open as a standalone company. Yeah, yeah. So trade okay. stuff, Waikato yep. Limited, trade stuff, BOP Limited. You know, and just in case if they totally yep. went sideways, we didn't wipe out the whole business. Yeah. But um, yeah, and and I guess you know when I say there was there was some risk the likes of going to Tauranga was on the basis of the fact that I already had five clients who said they would do business yep. with me there. Um, so educated, covered, you know. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, then some, you know, some of the other reasons for opening was that, you know, I was a terrible flyer in those days and, and I wouldn't get on a small plane to fly to Hamilton. I would fly to Auckland and then drive down. And then after a while I thought, well, you know, I'm at this airport, you know, three times a week, I might as well, four times a week, I might as well, um, I might as well have a branch in South Auckland and yeah, make yeah. the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we kind of grew from there and then after a while, a business gets to a size, Scott, where, you know, we used to, Janice and I used to joke that, you know, 15 years or so ago, we used to joke that we would have been better off never have to opened a, um, a, uh, any other branches and just dominated the Christchurch market. Yep. We probably would have made more money yeah, yeah. because we were making more money in year three than we were in year, year 10. Yeah, because yeah. once you get to a certain size, um, and we certainly found this when we had five and six and seven branches, is that is that your, your, your behind the scenes team, you know, has to grow and has to, has to grow quite quickly. Mm. So here's me starting the business saying, I didn't want to, didn't want to have this big corporate and, and all of the stuff goes yeah. with it. And I would guess most people looking at trade staff and people who maybe know the business that don't know me would think of it as a, as a corporate. Um, you know, I've, I've ended up in many conversations with people who simply will tell me that there's no way I do not own trade staff. It's a big American company or something yeah, along yeah, those yeah. lines, you know, because it has that feel, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, I often say that's not because of me, that's in spite of me. Yeah. Um, but, but my point about growing the business is you get to a stage where suddenly now you have to have an HR manager, you have to have a, uh, a health and safety manager, you've got to have a financial controller. Yeah. So suddenly all of that corporate stuff, you have to have it. Have. And then because that costs so much, you've got to grow the business. So it gets to a yeah. stage where I think, you know, in business, you're, you're better off to be, you either need to be boutique or you, or you need to be big. Yeah. Uh, somewhere in the middle, I just think the overheads kill you. Yeah. Yeah. The cash flow just, just gets wiped out, right? Correct. Yeah. 
Big takeaway from what you said just back there, though, I thought it was really, really interesting. And I think it's, a, it's something that, you know, a lot of people when they're going for a job, they probably don't uh, take enough initiative or be proactive enough. And I think that's Janice. She was proactive. Like, mm. she didn't wait for you to get back to her. She realized you were busy. Mm. Uh, and, and you know, do you think the 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 person that she is has really helped you grow and attract the right people from from that aspect as well knowing what she did yeah i think so i mean the interesting thing about janice is that you know like i say she's worked for us now for 25 years her and her husband uh, craig are great friends of, mm. of ours um and i've often said you know i've probably said for the last 15 years or so now that you know really janice runs the company i'm just lucky enough to own it yeah um but that probably understates the 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 key ingredient which is the way in which her and i work together um a very good friend of mine explained it to me one day he said essentially that you know in this world there's combined harvesters yes and there's balers right and what happens with most combine i'm obviously a combined harvester because everywhere i go i I wreak a bit of havoc. Um, but what happens with most combine harvesters, I suppose we could call them entrepreneurs or whatever whatever you want to call them, but basically they hang out with other combine mm. harvesters. So there's a million great ideas going on and nothing gets done. Yep. And that, you know, that's me. I'm, I'm a great starter. Yeah. Um, whereas Janice is absolutely perfect as she's a baler. Yeah. And uh, so she tidies up everything, makes it all good. Everything that comes out of the trade staff building around process and all of that, her and I will talk about it, but ultimately she's the one that, that nails it down. Yeah. You know? She talks about you know SOPs, which I had no idea even what it meant for quite some time until yeah. I found out that we did have standard operating practices because she'd written it all down. Yeah. Um, and so what's really interesting about that relationship, and I think is really important in business that people miss, is that you have to understand what you are. Are you a combine harvester? Yep. Are you a baler? Right? And the the... The, the man who, who said to me that who explained this to me about the fact that I was a combine harvester, he said, the best thing about you is you surround yourself with balers. Yeah. And the funny thing is I looked around, I looked at my wife and I looked at, at Janice, my general manager, and I looked at all of the other key people, Andy and the other key mm. people in the business, and, and, and they're balers. Yeah. Right. So for some time, I went through a period where I felt really, really guilty because I felt like I was just dumping everything along yeah. them, you know, like, yeah. yeah, come up with a great idea and hand it on, hand it on, yeah. hand it on, hand it on. And so um, at some st- one stage, I actually got with him and said, look, I'm really sorry. I know I'm bloody useless. I'm, you know, I start all this shit and then I hand it on to you. I'm sorry. And, and they explained to me, no, 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 that was, that was what I did was absolutely perfect. And yeah. they said, you know, the good thing is, is that you come up with something, you hand it on, you let us do it, and then you tell everybody that we did it. Yeah. Um, what now, a skill. Yeah. Well, but for me, I feel internally grateful that they, yeah. you know, and, you know, they make me look a whole lot better than what I am, a whole yeah. lot better than what I am. But to find that they actually liked the fact that I mm. that I handed things on to them was, yeah. you know, mind blowing for me. And yeah, you know, yeah. I remember saying at the time, "Oh my God, I got so much more that I haven't <laughs> to bother you. Be careful what, a, what you wish for." What an awesome insight, though, as a as a business owner or entrepreneur running, and you th- you're thinking you you feel guilty because you're handing stuff on, but actually, mm. it's the flip side. The staff are actually loving it. That, that's yeah. a great insight. Well, that's right because if they're not naturally inquisitive or entrepreneurial or mm. whatever you want to call it. And I hate that word, by the way. Mm. I want to talk to you about entrepreneurs because I don't like that word at yeah. all. But, um, but if you are of that mindset where yeah. you are someone who just you know runs into the fire, if you like, um, then you have to have people around you who tidy up. And you know, I said entrepreneurs because what happens is just as my friend said about the combine harvesters, the entrepreneurs all hang together, but it's hang together, but it's always a talk fest. Nothing yes. ever comes of it, yes. right? Nothing yes. ever comes of it because... They've got all the ideas in the world, but if they're anything like me, you know, 
by tomorrow I'm over that idea. Yeah. I've moved on. And yeah. so unless someone's there to actually implement it, then then it's a waste of time. Yeah, so true. And I think that's um, that's something you see play out. And, and, and look, unless you have a, uh, a bailer in the business, mm. uh, it's funny, I only just learned recently about SOPs by hiring someone who's, I've got a saying, employ your weakness. And mm. I realized I wasn't, even had a couple of conversations with you, I was like, you told me about the... Uh, the bailer and I was like, well, we've got a lady in our business now who is the bailer and mm. it's it's a breath of fresh air, mm. you know, she That's loves it. You know? She loves it and you're, you're not, you know, agonizing over the fact that things aren't going the way they should yeah. be because cause they tidy that up for you. Yeah. Hey, so let's switch gears a little bit now. I just wanted to talk a little bit about your, um, the, the ebbs and flows of business and uh, look, we're probably in a, in the world economy, um, everyone's saying there's a little bit of doom and gloom out there and inflation's going through the roof and stuff. I wanted to talk a little bit about, because I know, you know it's 96, you've been through a number of things. So one, the GFC, let's talk about that and the impact of your business, mm. uh, earthquakes, and mm. then a little bit about COVID. Mm. GFC um, was quite interesting. I was, actually in, um, I was actually in Europe in the middle to late part of 2007. And the first time that I actually kind of realised that we were we were away for ten weeks, and um, I remember the first time I realised something that was going on was that we went to the Santander Bank, um, big bank in Spain, and um, you the ATMs were closed, and you could go in, you could only draw out I think two hundred euro at a time. Wow! Because the banks were running out of money, and so when I got back to New Zealand, and um, I got back and was greeted with a resignation letter from Janice. Um, basically saying, look, you know, the business had followed a, 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 a pattern for 10 years yep. uh, where it would grow by 25 to 30% between September and December. I got back two weeks before Christmas and it had flatlined the day I left. Um, oh. And Janice, of course, was saying, well, you know, I've completely failed, I've got to go. Um, so I was able to tell her, no, no, this thing's happening all over the world. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah. So um, because I'd been away, uh, anyway, we didn't accept the resignation. I told her not to be stupid. And... Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, so then basically because I'd been away, I, I looked at the business and thought, you know, we're actually, we're actually now at a, we, we're branches all over the country, 10 or 12 branches all over the country, um, but we weren't making the same money that we were when we only had two branches, mm. right? So what's happening here? Like I said, there's a lot of expense going out, but I wanted to look at, at the, it sounds funny, but I basically worked out that the business was probably going to drop by somewhere around... 10 to 15 percent for the next year or so if, yep. if everything I read about you know GFCs and at that time they were just calling it a recession or something if that's going to be the case you know our business is probably going to drop by 10 to 15 percent I just I don't know where that number come from but I guessed it was that number yep. so I adopted a really simple principle that said if we're going to do 10 percent less business then we need to make 10 or 15 percent more off the business we do yeah right nice so I looked through, um, basically I worked between Christmas and New Year, came back again on about the 3rd of January, and everything was on paper in those days, we didn't have particularly good database systems or anything, so I just went through every single transaction that we'd done and worked out how much money we made per transaction. You know, And the way that temping works is that we employ the employee, we pay their wages, the holiday pay, the public holidays, ACC, KiwiSaver, all of that stuff. And then we contract the worker onto a client. Yep. We give them a timesheet. The client fills in the timesheet. As a result of that, we then pay the temp um, and we charge the client, make a margin in the middle. Right. And there's, you know, what I discovered was that an enormous amount of our business was at a margin that just didn't really reflect the work we were doing. Yeah. 
So uh, I went through and basically put our prices up, not necessarily across the board, but all business that was operating at a lower margin. Mm. I just said, right, when, when we're back into gear on the 10th of January, whenever the, everyone came back to work, these are the new prices. Um, that was quite traumatic. I had two staff resign because they um, they weren't prepared to have that conversation with the clients. Yep. We lost a couple of clients who um, who just you know when I say lost a couple of clients, we probably lost you know a dozen clients who said we were just too expensive now. Um, and then we just had others who who just got on with it. You know, when I say we put the prices up, sometimes we said right, it's happening in a month or so. Yep. So it was all through negotiation. So when we got to the end of the following financial year, so it'd be 08, 09, I guess, 07, 08, 08, 09, um, what had happened was that we'd done around 13% um, less business than yep. less chargeable hours than we'd, than we'd done previously. Um, but our GP, our gross profit off that business was actually the same as what it had been previously. Nice. So it really taught us at that time that you know we're not an agency that's interested particularly in the low margin yeah. work. So I mentioned before about preferred supply agreements and those. Yeah. We've been down that track where we've had 200 workers on on a site, but you're in, you know you're, you're getting peanuts per yeah. hour off on that size of a contract, and that's kind of not us to be honest. We we prefer to be. Um, uh, well, one of my cheeky consultants in, in West Auckland, I heard him on the phone one day, he was asked, you know, what's the difference between trade staff and other agencies? And and his reply was, that's easy, we're the most expensive. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and if you look, Scott, at today with record unemployment and, and all of those things, if we're not getting a good yield off each worker that we're placing, then then we've got to have rocks in the head. Yeah. It's, not, it's not about exploiting, it's just actually saying that we've got to value what we're doing because... In reality, today we're operating because of the shortage of workers and because of everything COVID-related. Today we're actually operating at probably 85% of the hours that we would have been three years ago. Yeah, yeah. But our yield is probably 20, 20% better. Yeah, right. better business. So, yeah. so you think when you look back at those times, uh, and and this is what I want people to hear because a lot of the, you hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, GFC, it's going to be tough or recessions, blah blah blah. But it's actually the forward planning. You actually spent some time thinking about the business and going, hey, where? Like I always look at where's the financial puck going? Like where's mm-hmm. it going? Let's get ahead of it. Let's be proactive. Yeah. So we look. I I think the GFC did us a big favour. It didn't feel like it so much at the time, but. No. but but like I say, we, you know, there was there were some things that weren't working, and we're, you know, as a result of of tougher times, they 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 were stopped. Um, we took the time also to implement our first database system and and yeah. all of the stuff that went with it. Um, we just had a bit of time, a lot more time. Um, staff, there were some staff who struggled in those days because yeah. suddenly they had to go and sell and they had to be out yeah, and about, yeah. whereas they'd got a bit used to sitting in the office, I guess. Um, so. Our mantra at the time, and I remember with our, with my management team, is just saying, you know, let's not waste this good crisis. We want to be better yeah. at the end of it than what we went in. And my, my thinking at the time was that if if there's only if, if there's you know if we've got a slice of the pie, yeah, you know, if the, if the pie is getting smaller, let's make sure that at least our slice doesn't get smaller. Yeah, but yeah. if we can, let's grow our slice. So as we were coming out of the GFC, we actually opened uh, uh, new branches um, in Queenstown. Um, maybe Dunedin at that stage, uh, Napier. Um, we actually opened new branches nice. and we kind of attacked. When we started to see the light at the end of the tunnel, we started to attack. We opened new branches. We went quite hard at the market. We uh, upped our marketing spend quite dramatically, thinking that when the market comes back, yeah. you know, we'll be relevant. Yeah. 
And that's key, right? Like, so, so that the mindset there. So that's obviously, you know, where did you get that mindset from? Because that's playing offense. A lot of businesses play defense at that time, and and they don't realize how that affects them down the line. So, was that something you learned? Something you, someone taught you, or was it just instinct? What, what, where does the mindset come from there? I, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I but you instinctively knew the time to to attack because a lot of people. You know, when they hear words recession, they go backwards with their marketing. Mm. But you decided, hey, we're going to have a crack at this. Let's up it. Mm. Well, look, I, I guess you could say the same around, you know, what's happening now with COVID. And, yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, I, I like that it's quite hard. Yeah. Like it is quite hard at the moment. There's no doubt, you know, we're spending a lot more time. Me personally, I'm spending a lot more time with our new consulting staff teaching them how we do good business, right? Yeah. We've got the time to teach them how to do good business. And we're push, push, push at the market. And, you know, I have friends who say to me all the time or acquaintances say, oh, you must be so busy. You know, you must be flat out. All, all companies in New Zealand are desperate for staff. And I reply, well, we are too. We're like a mm. pub with no beer, right? Yeah, We've yeah. got no workers either. <laughs> you know, we're out chasing, chasing, chasing. Yeah. And so for all of, you know, for our the strength of our brand, for all the marketing we do, for, for how hard we work at that to try and employ people, mm. Um, I'd like to think that, that that it's a whole lot harder for our competitors. Yes. I'd like to think it's a whole lot harder for startups. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'd be real happy if a few of them buggered off actually and yeah, exited yeah. the market because that gives us an opportunity when, when we go back to something like normal times, um, it goes back, to, you know, it allows us maybe to, to, to have a bigger share. So, yeah. you know, in the last two years of lockdowns and all the nonsense, you know, we've We've got immigration advisors on staff now. We've we've got four people working in our international team. Yeah, and that international team does nothing other than looking at people bringing bringing people in from overseas. So, you know, we've been in contact with literally thousands of people. We've got four or five hundred who are waiting job orders from us now out of the UK and Ireland. Wow. Um, and we've been working with those people for two years, yeah. and that's made us no money for two years. Yeah, yeah. But that's investing in when it gets normal. Yeah. To be brutally honest, well, I thought COVID was only going to last three or six months. I maybe wouldn't have been quite so bullish if I'd yeah. known it was going to go for two years. Yeah, yeah. But um, but by doing that, it means that now you know we're going through some little bit of drama with immigration in New Zealand because they're not as ready as we are. Yeah. Um, but you know we'll make well, we're making forty one job offers to people to come to New Zealand today. So you nice. know that's as part of them coming over either and you know coming to work in New Zealand for a period. Or on some form of pathway to residency, yeah. Um, because if we don't, do, the, the workers aren't here. If we don't actively chase that, then how do we grow? How yeah. do we satisfy our clients' needs? And I'd like to think that that's something that we can do now that we are this big corporate thing. Um, that we've got the resources and and the capacity to be able to work on that, so that when things get going good again, um, uh, you know, we're we're ahead of the game. You know, it may well be that the economy falls to pieces, and I've got all these people coming in from overseas, and um, there's not so many jobs for them. Yeah, yeah. But we're used to that, right? Because yeah. that's what we did in 1996, yeah. and that's what we did in 2008. So, yeah, yeah. Learn along the way, right? And and you put in those things into place. But also, you know, that I love what you're doing around. Hey, you're not just sitting here and going, oh, you know, that's, you know, you're employing new people. And you're sitting there with them and giving them the your knowledge, which I think, you know, business owners, the how you can filter down that knowledge right now. And this is why people it's kind of why I wanted to create this podcast, is I want people to learn from people that have been through some of this some of this stuff. Let's switch gears a little bit more. I want to talk about marketing mm-hmm. uh, and how important has it been to trade staff over the years. 
um, and, and where do you see it? Where, where's it come from when you first started to where it is now? Mm. Um, well, I guess, you know, what is marketing, I suppose? You know, in the early stages, what it was about was actually getting the brand name out there. Mm. It was actually just telling the world that there was a business and, and this is what we did. Um, it wasn't particularly sophisticated. Um, through a friend of a friend, I ended up doing some radio advertising in the early days, um, and I was quite nervous about that. So uh, she used to actually come on and talk to me on the radio, yeah, and yeah. that was kind of how we got into that. Um, and then from that, um, we probably, you know, we did. We, we it was all about creating the brand, basically. Yeah. Um, whether it whether it worked or didn't work, I've never really known. But basically, it got to a stage in the first. 10 years or so, everything we did was about getting the name out there. So we had, you know, we sponsored rugby teams, you know, we're Bay Plenty Steamers sponsor, major, you know, front of jersey sponsor for three years. We big signs at Jade Stadium, race cars, everything. You yeah. know, we did absolutely everything um, just to make sure the brand was, brand was out there and quite strong. Um, that's changed quite a bit. Uh, nowadays, uh, I'm not so interested in in that branding. Um, there has to be, there has to be, um, an outcome from anything yep. we do now. So a classic example would be the, you know, we're the sponsor again uh, for the second time of the World Softball Champs. Yeah. So this year, the World Softball Champs in Auckland, um, we are the major naming sponsor for a world championship, right? Mm. <clears throat> Which is pretty cool. Now, when we did it the first time, we did it for the exposure. Yeah. Right? This time, it's all about a call to action. Yeah. So the first thing that happens is that we go to the entire New Zealand softball industry and go, hey, we're sponsoring your sport. We're making this thing happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, if you want work, you've got to come work for us. Nice. Right? Um, and all of the branding around um, that and and some, we're doing a great uh, radio promo at the moment with The Rock about yeah. winning a prize to go to, to New York, um, that that promo is all about that. So people enter in the competition to go with the morning rumble to, to New York. They get a text back. They have to text the word job to a number. So yeah. they're texting job to the rock. Uh, they then get an acknowledgement text back going, hey, thanks for entering. If you're looking for work, click here. And that comes straight to a, to a, um, a URL, URL on our website, which allows us then to try and register them. So the whole promo is simply about Getting driving people to our website. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We get some branding as a result of it, but you know, to be fair, if after twenty six years of all the branding marketing we've done, if they haven't heard from about us by now, then yeah. you know, we failed. Yeah, I think you made a good point early on, though. It's about relevancy, right? And that's mm-hmm. where you know, if you look at your sponsorship with New Zealand Softball, uh, becoming relevant in front of the people there, the the who uh, is in, in and around that sport and who plays that sport is very important to your business. You know, especially mm-hmm. in the likes of the South Auckland's and stuff like that. You have a lot of work that you can you can place for those types of you know types of jobs, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's a high participation sport. It's a family sport. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as you say, you know, um, South Auckland, Aparua, mm. Christchurch, yes, a um, lot of you know softball centres. But again, you know, a, they they can all work for us. We yeah. would quite happily take them anytime. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great uh, great alignment. What a, well, talk a little bit about radio. Um, I know you're, you you know on the radio quite a lot. You've just mentioned the rock. Um, yeah, what what are some of the things that you've learnt over the years about advertising there? Um, well, when we first started, it was actually, we were actually advertising to clients. So we're on things like, you know, ZB and Radio Sport and 
you know, I think the most important thing is that you can actually, you, you've got to be talking to someone, right? So yeah. who is your market? Yeah. And in those days, in the early days, unemployment, you know, still quite high, six, seven percent. Um, it was very much about saying to businesses, hey, if you just need a worker and need maybe just for a little while, then, you know, why don't you consider temping, you know, get, get yep. trade stuff a call. Um, now our market is exactly the opposite to that. All of our marketing, no matter what it is, is a call to action to say, if you're looking for work, any kind of work, contract trade, stra- yeah. trade stuff, right? So that market, that's a totally different market. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've we've traditionally been on, you know, places like Hodaki, The Rock, um, and, and those um, sort of probably 18 to 40-year-old male type yep. markets. Um, but we've got to the stage where we actually think that Basically, we've just about tapped that market. I mean, hearing yeah. for, hearing from us forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, same old message forever. Well, not you know, same call to action forever. So you know, we don't we don't mind at all whether our workers are male, female, tall, short. We don't really care. You know, there's there's a place for all of them. So more recently, in the last couple of years, we've probably started to concentrate on things like um, the more female skewed um, stations. You know, ZM. Um, we do a lot with my FM, yep. uh, particularly again for that South Auckland influence. Um, but also, you know, if you've got a good relationship with the media companies, then you know they'll give you the stats of who listens and where listens yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Because we've been doing it for so long, I mean, twenty five odd years on the radio, you know, we we get a few favours there in regards to some nice, you know, nice placements of our ads and stuff like that. But it is an ever evolving yeah. process, and. You know, we're nationwide. We're large enough. We have the capacity. We can we can go quite big at those campaigns. Um, but you know, yeah. I've often wondered. It's it's pretty interesting. I've often wondered whether it actually even works. I've mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. been doing it for twenty five years, and I don't really know. <laughs> but what I do know is that others who don't don't have anywhere near the yeah. market profile that we have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the point. You know, consistency of message. Yeah, frequency of reach to create relevancy. I think it's so, so important. I talk about this all the time. Being consistent on your message, have frequency with the reach with the right people, uh, and you become relevant. And, and over time, that grows and grows. And it, you've obviously seen that in, in the business, how it's, how it's grown out. Um, a couple of things I want to talk about just to finish. You taught me something, and I think it's really, it was, it was, it was something about delegation. And I want to know if you can remember it. I can remember it. And I can remember the time that you told me because it made such an impact. And, and now I literally <coughs> teach my staff this about delegation. Right. Um, just put me on the spot then. Um, I'm yep. guessing you're talking about a saying that I've used in the business and have done for a long, long time. Which is essentially, I mean, what we what we want in the, our business, we want people to grow. We want mm. them to see that there's a career path for them. Um, but as you know, you sometimes get people in this world who will basically say, "Look, if it, you know, if it was this business wouldn't survive without me." You know? Yeah. Um, and and so they 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 kind of you know, yeah, they think the business revol- revolves around them. And so, I often say we'll say something like, you know, if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, do you think we'd close down? And mm. and they're like, oh well, no. So. <clears throat> My whole philosophy around that and those types of people is that if if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. Yeah. Right. What a goal so saying. Yeah. So if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. So basically, what we would say to anyone as they as they start to work through their career is that they should be looking to make themselves redundant. Now, I don't mean that you're leaving the company. I no. just mean you're moving on from that role to a bigger yeah. role. Because if we can't replace you in that role, then we can't promote you to mm. the next one. And so. 
some people struggle with that. Um, some people are surprisingly open to that because I guess they trust us and I've seen people grow through our business before. But it doesn't matter where you sit in the, in the sort of hierarchy, if you like, of our business from, from being a, going from a, a consultant to a senior consultant to a team leader to a branch manager to an area manager to whatever. If you've got aspirations, you have to be training the people below you and teaching the people below you to do your job and preferably to do your job better than you do, having the courage to understand that that allows you then to be promoted. If you can't do that, then you're basically just filling a seat. Yeah. What a what a great and beautiful mindset to give people coming into a business though, knowing that hey, actually you're quite you're safe. You know, if you're gonna if you if you actually help people go through this process and and, and replace, you know, um, then then you're gonna be okay in this environment. You know, I think that's a it's a greater it's a real mindset. And I, as soon as you told me it, I'd never really thought about that before. I'd never really, as a business owner, thought, hey, you know, a lot of the times you hold on to some stuff, and it was like, wow, I've got an opportunity to be teach someone else here now and I've gone and taught that person and that person's now teaching other people and it's so free yeah well you know and people say to me oh it all sounds fine you know that all sounds wonderful and all that but you know two things to say about that firstly if you think about if you think about someone's career as like rungs of a ladder right if you're at number two on the ladder and you're making yourself redundant to, to go to number three mm. that only works if number three is also looking yeah. to make themselves <laughs> yeah. redundant and move up and the ones who don't get past, yes. right? So the ones who don't, you know, they'll, they'll sit there and run three and watch number two go to number four and yeah. become their boss. Because if they can't move it with those yeah. times, then, then they get left behind. But the other thing is that people say it always sounds fine. I remember I was speaking at a, at a, um, uh, a business lunch or something one day as a, as a speaker. And um, someone said, oh, yeah, but, you know, do you do that yourself? And I said, well, you know, if you actually really want to know the truth, yes. I've made myself redundant to an enormous extent, or I've had to reinvent what I do in the business. Well, how about like what you did? You went to Italy for I a went, whole year. I went to live in Italy for a whole year. Yeah. Um, you know, and that meant that people had to be able to step up and do what I'd been doing previously. Yeah. But to be fair, I'd kind of handed it on already. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we went to Italy, lived there for a year. I had next to no, you know, very little, half a dozen contacts with the business the whole time I was yeah. away. Um, the business had a record year. Uh, which was amazing. Uh, so there's two, two schools of thought there. Either I am totally useless uh, or else I've got a really good business which manages itself. Um, I will say that next year when I was back um, before COVID, so we got back, you know, mm. not long before COVID, but that next year we actually had a, a better year again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what it showed was that yes, the business can operate without me, but it also shows that I have got something that I can yeah. still add. And, you know, my my job today is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I kind of, you know, chief cheerleader and navigator rather than the captain of the ship, if yep. you like, you know. Um, and so a lot of my interaction now, I have very little client interaction, very little, uh, very little candidate um, interaction. Um, and even to a degree, very little um, interaction with my branch management staff. Yep. Um, that tends to be managed by Janice and, and our ops man- manager, Andy. Um, my role tends to be more with the newbies. Um, okay. I've got this real thing, um, my favourite thing actually is hanging out with the guys who are new to market. Awesome. I like them young, 23, 24 years yep. old, maybe, you know, just looking for an opportunity, looking for, for mm. a way to, to, to prove their true worth. And I love hanging out yeah. with them. I love watching their excitement as they understand yes. a concept and they grow in the business. And, you know, and that, that to me is, that's probably, I think, the most important thing yeah. I do in the company. Um, 
it was pointed out to me recently, which had never occurred to me, what a big deal it was for someone who comes into a company at a young age and is looking to build a career and they get to hang out with the owner of the company who's been doing this forever, you know? Yeah. And as I often say to them, I'm, you know, I might not be the smartest guy in the room, but I'm one of the wisest because I've seen it all. Yeah. Right? I've seen nice. it all in 26 years. And so I've probably forgotten more about this, this game than what most people yeah. know. And so the fun thing for me is chatting with them like I'm chatting to you yeah. and, and hearing these things that come out of my mouth to my great surprise. And, um, <laughs> and, and, but then watching them grow as a yeah. result of that. Well, the beautiful thing there, Kevin, is I've actually seen it because you have another business called Trade Staff Workwear, uh, and my team have, have been involved in, in helping uh, grow that. But you've actually, with Emma there, you've done exactly what you've just said. You've helped a young person's come in, given the opportunity, and you've mentored that person to, to now where she's making some changes in the business that it's just it's, it's just going like that, some of the stuff she's doing. She's amazing. Uh, again, you know, came in when she's 23. Yeah. You know, without giving too much away, she basically worked in coffee shops and, you know, and now she's running a really successful um, workwear business, big online presence and, and, and everything, you know, yeah, she's, she's amazing. It won't surprise you to know that, you know, on her one year anniversary, uh, we went out for lunch. Uh, I sat down and said to her, right, we now need to make you redundant. Yes. And so, you know, for her, okay. we're looking to open more branches around the country of that business. And for us to do that, she has to get out of the front line yeah. business and, and as it stands today, because if she doesn't, we can't grow. Mm. Right? And so for her, you know, her career path now is is about replacing herself um, and then replicating herself as we grow. Um, yeah, and she's that's still so only, good. She's only still only twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. What an opportunity for young people uh, to come work for trade staff uh, to get that. that. That doesn't happen. I think, you know, kudos to you for being open to that because, you know, you, you've built leaders in, inside this business, right? And leaders build leaders, but now you're creating future leaders by getting in there. Um, that's, that's an awesome. Hey, so before we just wrap this up, one thing I wanted to talk about and, and something I know uh, you you as, a, as trade staff talk about it uh, and you're doing quite a bit in the space is mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at trades, it, it's a big deal, right? Mental health in New Zealand is a, is a huge, huge um, you know, problem. And, and, you know, I always say you're either part of the problem or part of the solution. You guys are definitely part of the solution here. So let's talk about a few of the things that you're doing here and especially you've got a new initiative that, you've, that you're just kicking off as well uh, with a young fella, uh, Tyler. Um, Taylor and and what you're doing there I think it's, it's worth people knowing that, you know there's not just a, a the corporate side of this thing there's actual real you know real people and real issues that you're dealing with yeah well you know I, I can't start to understand why we have the mental health problem that we have in New Zealand today mm. maybe it's always been there maybe it's just more talked about now but you know I've, I've had close friends commit suicide this year so it's um, you know it's pretty personal to us and has been for a long time um, my family and 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 yeah, my family and extended family have had um, issues with mental health. So you know, I've I've seen it around a long time. Mm. I wish I understood it way back then yeah. better than I do now. Right? I just thought they were a bit nuts, you know. But now actually understanding that, that there's a lot more to it. Yeah. Uh, the construction industry is that is a, a major area of concern regarding mental health. Um, and you know, if things were to slow down and that market was to get harder, I really genuinely fear for that. Mm. Um, you know, impacts of outside influences like COVID and jib shortages and all of that kind of stuff, just just horrific. So, yeah, we we do we've we've done a lot, a lot, I guess that people wouldn't know about. We have um, a counselling service on tap, EAP, 
Um, and that's that's available for all of our staff, our, our temporary workers, mm. our clients and everybody. And what happens there if there's anything that happens around trauma or if someone is having some difficulties, then we provide free counselling um, um, to those people. That's awesome. Um, and, and it's anonymous free counselling. Yep. So my HR manager will get the word that someone needs it. There's a, there's a, a number handed on and then I think there's three free sessions and then subsidised after that. Um, and we have no we have no involvement in that whatsoever. We just get we just get told that mm. that our person has used it, used yeah. our, our service. So that's cool. Uh, we've been doing that. Um, we've um, we've done a bit with um, Mike King. Yep. Um, we made a, a donation to Mike um, at our twenty fifth anniversary because he was a guest speaker at our anniversary. Um, we've continued to to have little fundraisers and do other bits and pieces for him. Um, you know why? Why he hasn't just got money on tap to provide what yeah. he does? I I couldn't start to understand. I I, I don't know. Um, it mystifies me and, and annoys me. Um, and yeah, we're just you know we're always just looking at an idea at ideas that that don't just pay lip service to things. Yeah. So yeah, young Taylor, he's amazing. Um, he's actually the son of our HR manager, which is how we know him. Um, he um, he's a, a an athlete, an extreme athlete. Uh, he'll do the coast to coast this year. He's got um, all the trade staff gear on. He looks pretty flash. Um, but his whole thing is about raising awareness around mental health and particularly about mental health issues in um, in the construction uh, workplaces. Uh, so he's doing some stuff in that space, um, you know, with the aid of our sponsorship, I guess. I mean, the, the dude's incredible. He, he Over Easter, he ran, I think, four of the great walks uh, <laughs> in the weekend. So. Yeah. You know, Kepler one day and then whatever they are, the next day, next day, next yeah, day. Yeah. Runs, you know, 280 k's or something in, in four days. Uh, just, just you know, to get out there and, and, and you know, and, and spread the word, I guess. Um, so, yeah, there's always something going on. And, I, you know, I, I remember once sort of well, Mike, Mike, the, when Mike King spoke to us at our 25th, um, you know, his my instruction to him was, mate, you know, this is a celebration of us being in business for 25 years. Don't wreck the room. And he's like, nah, mate, don't worry about it. I'll just stand up and tell him yeah. all the jokes. You know, don't worry. It's all going to be good. We absolutely destroyed us. I think, you know, the whole place is in tears. You know, we're all mm. crying openly and, and, and particularly emotional. You know, we had to stop everything for about an hour. We had activities. We had yeah. to postpone those while everybody got their, got their heads together. But the amount of people within staff who who then spoke to us about the problems that they were having, or their husband or wife was having, or their children were having, mm. and it completely blew me away. I mean, you're talking about over half the room yeah, yeah. have got are affected by by a mental health problem themselves, or by family members or friends or 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 whatever, and it was actually unbelievably cool and probably one of the proudest moments I've ever had within the business of watching everybody band together. Yeah. Watching someone say to one of their workmates, now I understand why you like that. Mm. Now I understand, you know, I, sorry, I'm part of this problem. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I never thought about it. You just need to tell me next time, right? Yeah. Let's, if, I, if I see the signs, I'm going to say to you, hey, you're yeah. right, Is it, you know? And it was so cool to see yeah. the whole company kind of come together in that manner. What an amazing conversation to have with, with 
all of the business, you know, and giving them the freedom to have that conversation uh, together. It's it's pretty powerful, right? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, it's you know, I think you know the the good thing about mental health today is is that um, is that I think the stigma yeah um, has gone yes. or has largely gone. Um, if people have got a a problem around someone saying they've got a mental health issue, then I think it's them that's got the problem. Yeah, totally. Uh, for me, I often you know, it's kind of a bit of a weird way to look at, it, I suppose. But I often think of you know, if you come in here now and you and you've got a broken arm, I can see you've got a broken arm, right? But if you've got a sore back, yeah. you're the only one that knows you've yeah, got a yeah. sore back. I, yeah. I can't see it, yeah. but I've had sore backs, and I'm like, oh, you poor, you poor bugger. You know, yeah. I know what that's like. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah. So then if you come in and you say, look, hey, I'm just having a bit of a problem here. You know, mental health's not so good. You're the only one that knows that, yes. right? So for me, I would tend to look at you if you told me that you were having a mental health problem today, mm. uh, the same as I would if you said you had a yeah. poor back today. Yeah. I'd be like, you poor bugger, what can yeah. we do? You know, you're right. Uh, it's the biggest lesson I got. I learned in business. Someone said to me, how would you treat that person if they had a broken leg? And I went, mm. oh, oh my God. Yeah. Well, you'd make you'd grab pull the chair out for them. That's you'd right. make them sit down. You'd say, "Hey, yeah. they don't do anything." Yeah. And 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 yeah, that was a massive. Uh, well, it was a smack in the face for me as far as how you should treat people with yeah. with mental health. So, oh, look, and you know, I, I think one of the classic instances of where we saw um, real th- things that we'd never experienced before was post earthquakes here in Christchurch. Yeah. When you know, I know people who were completely and utterly in, in, in control of their life. Mm. They were they were you know, they were leaders. They yeah. were they were the rock that people went to and then, mm. you know, in business and, and 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 family and stuff like that. And then, you know, with the trauma of ten thousand bloody earthquakes yeah. just smacking them over, basically, you know, they were broken because yeah. they were no longer in control. And yeah. I watched very good people change in some instances dramatically over a period of time, yeah. to where their confidence was just completely and utterly robbed, yeah, you yeah. know, um, because of an outside influence, yes. you know. Yeah, it was full on time. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was unbelievable, yeah. Hey, Kevin, this has been an amazing chat, and really, I really appreciate you taking the time to share with the audience um, your insights into Trade Stuff. What, is, uh, what does the next five years look like for Trade Stuff? And Kevin, Eater, I know you're, you're a big golf fan. Um, you're looking to get the, the handicap down in the next five years, or you're still working in the business? What, what's, your, what's your plans? Well, yeah, <clears throat> the standard classic joke when it comes to golf is that um, um, my wife took up the game 10 years ago. And- <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a representative player in a scratch handicap? And did on. she get a hole in one recently? Yeah, she did. Yep, yep. Outstanding. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> it was the only thing I'd done that she had never done in golf. So, you know, I'd probably spend more time caddying for her. Nice. Um, I do play a bit, but I've, you know, I've gone from average to terrible. Um, I, you know, basically I walk 18 holes so that I can hang out in the 19th really these days. Nice. Um, which is cool. What will happen with trade staff? Well, we'll look to grow workwear, obviously. Um, you know, I've got. Uh, sort of irons and a few other fires as well as well with our piling business and a few other things so that's that's starting to 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 really turn into a really cool business um we're in expansion mode there trade staff yeah if look we were looking to open new branches um pre-covid i'd been to two Mm. new cities and and looked at opportunity there um covid stopped all that and i was pretty pleased about that to be fair because i wouldn't have liked to have leased two buildings and then had them sitting empty for two years um our international business uh, is getting bigger. Like I say, we've added staff over the last you know year or so. That will become, I think, quite a significant business. Our trade staff global business. So we've got a business where we send people to the Pacific Islands and all over the place. Um, we've got a a big contract that could be long term. Antarctica, 
we'll be sending a whole bunch of people down to Antarctica again this year for the third year. Um, that will grow. Um, and then I guess the other thing, you know, is that, is that the transition of the business from the Kevin and Janice period. Um, you know, we've both been around a long time. We've, you know, we've got older. Um, and, you know, I, I think the next, the, the exciting thing I think will be how the business looks when when Janice isn't sitting in the captain's yeah. seat and I'm not sitting in the navigator's chair. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and that's exciting. That um, is exciting. We've worked hard for that. Um, and, you know, there'll be some talent come through. Um, we, you know, that we've been working on for some time, uh, even though they might not necessarily be aware of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the next chapter is then um, we'll probably, Janice and I will probably, you know, form some kind of board and, and be at arm's length. Um, but, you know, we always say that that's going to be in two years or five years or whatever time right now. You know, we've got, um, you know, we've, we've got everything that comes COVID related in front of us. We want to get that right. You know, I think we always just want to get it right before we hand it on. And yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's going to be in six <laughs> months or six years, you yeah. know. Hey, look, exciting times though, because you have built those leaders, and I know, you know, from, from seeing some of them around that they, you know, this business will be in good hands. Um, so, appreciate your time. Uh, I'm extremely proud to call you a friend and a, and, and a business mentor. So it's been um, great talking to you today, uh, and uh, I look forward to um, seeing you on the golf course one day soon. Cheers, mate. Good to see you. Hi, Scobson here again. Hey, thanks for listening to the Marketing for Business podcast. Hey, we're on a mission to share uh, these episodes with more business people. So please feel free to share the podcast. Uh, head over to our website, uh, www.getdigitalinfluence.com for more episodes. And we really appreciate you listening. Thanks for your time and have a great day.